Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, your source of accountability, inspiration, and motivation to become your best and reach your fullest potential every day. Our motto, it's simple, to use our determination to crush our everyday leadership tasks so that we dominate in our delivery of services and products to our clients and achieve victory and personal growth, profitability, and creating environments for those around us to prosper. Let's get this show started. Welcome back to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast. This is your host, Elena. We have Justin with us and we're excited. Today's another Q&A episode. Thank you so much for listening in, for downloading and subscribing to our podcast. We really appreciate your support. It's really encouraging to see those numbers growing day by day and week by week. So continue to share, share on your social media. If you have some sort of business or leadership focused account, then our content will go along really well with your mission and vision. And we'd love to connect with more people in this space. So you can always reach out to us on DM on Instagram. You can reach out to us on Facebook, or you can join our email list, which will be linked in the description of this podcast, but we really appreciate all of your support and welcome back. Justin, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing today, Lana? I am doing really well. This is the first day that I feel well rested. I actually got some sleep last night, so I'm feeling good to go sleep there's something cool I know exactly (laughs) something you take for granted but when you don't have it you start to realize real quick how bad you need it so doing well glad that you're doing well today and I'm excited for our question it's a little different than some of our traditional leadership questions but today's question is why is compounding family legacy important in leadership awesome um, thank you, Elena. Thank you also for everyone listening in and the, the downloads growing, um, stuff like that. I know a lot of it initially was a lot of FSP, Primal Rock, uh, Better with Bacon Fat and Grown Strong employees across the country listening in and friends and family. But I think we're growing at a rate now that we're seeing word of mouth is really starting to, to, to take off and we're seeing people respond to emails and stuff like that. So um, I appreciate it for sure. And I, I hope everyone's gaining value or at least starting to freely think about the questions that we're asking, maybe come up with your own points of view. <clears throat> Again, it's not for everyone to agree necessarily with Elena and I's point of view, but it's merely to present our point of view or the point of view we have. And, uh, and obviously the way we lead here amongst our companies, but it doesn't necessarily, it, it isn't the only way. And so the point is to ask questions that we all answer that hopefully gets us all to a point where our leadership truly makes an impact on the world uh, collectively, you know? So if that's the goal, you're in the right place, um, the right podcast. Uh, I have recorded a new intro that I do need to send over to Elena that hopefully we'll go on some of our newer podcasts because I hear um, the three or four comments that we got back that the podcast is where you're an audience and you're not in business, but you want leadership and, you know, the title or a motto didn't follow it. So we have updated that on the podcast information 
but we just haven't on um, updated on the onboarding message. Um, so Elena may probably will have to pick out some new snazzy music. So we have a make sure we do it right, but we'll figure it all out. I promise. So um, I had intended to do it sooner, but after being stranded in Mexico for three weeks, um, yes, uh, poor us. But um, but I haven't gotten to it. So I finally did it. So we'll we'll do that. So Elena. What is the question again? Our question for today is why is compounding family legacy important in leadership? Awesome. So I've done a few um, motivational speeches about this. I've also done a few lectures at Georgia College about this and amongst other groups um, because it is so important. I don't, I think we take it for granted in a young country like the United States, but, um, <clears throat> for family members and backgrounds such as mine that are Italian, um, and Skylar Rapson, who everyone knows he's, uh, launching the five B's of a badass life podcast. He's also been a guest on Elena's scavengology podcast, and he's, um, been a guest on this podcast as well as um, sort of working with me and on the Justin the Food Entrepreneurs podcast as well and co-hosting. But he's of Jewish descent. I'm of Italian descent. But just to to give reference, those are just the two I use that I'm most familiar with. But I'm very familiar with Russian history and Chinese history as well. So I will in Indian history, and we can sort of talk about the. Um, what those histories are and, and, and what the compounding effects are. But anyway, I'm gonna use Jewish and Italian history for the sake of um, coming to America. And so very similarly, um, anyone who grew up in like the mid 19th, or sorry, the mid 20th century, um, the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, knows that if you grew up in New York or or New Jersey, there was a lot of Italian Jewish weddings. Like, um, well, you had Roman Catholics, but you and you had Judaism. They there was a lot of marriages and similarities there. Whether it was way people argue the way mothers were or way families were, but the one thing I will tell you that they do share in common is the long term understanding and long term culture. Whether it's Roman inheritance, being Italian, even as from Naples, and or Jewish culture, which is from Israel, but ultimately from all parts of the world, right? No different than Romans have sort of spread their culture all over the world or Roman Catholicism. And, um, and so there's a compounding of legacy that both parties believe and they believe in, you know, how do we always lift up the next generation to be the better one? You know, um, how do we are we chosen or have we compounded our generations from and made our legacies better? You know, do we deal with family issues or negative family patterns to make sure they don't become long-term family legacies? So, you know, alcoholism, um, you know, things that can cause damage to greed, that can cause damage to uh, family legacy, gluttony, you know, laziness, whatever, I mean, we can look at it from that point of view, but what is it that's compounding and how do we do it? Um, from 
a Judeo-Christian standpoint, um, the legacies that are there and the family legacies, um, the true believers, I would say, and I'm not talking about the people that show up to church every day. When I say true believers, I believe the true believers, what they fundamentally understand is that we are here as humans, no matter which way we look at it, whether it's science, Judeo-Christian, Hindu, whatever, the true believers and all of it understand that humans are here to make the next generation better than the first gen than the first generation or the generation that exists now. <clears throat> you know, it's compounding that effect so we survive as humans, but it's also so we compound our morals and our ethics and our belief in economic prosperity and a free market and all of that in this country or in free market countries where if you look at the Chinese or the Russian cultures, They've been undefeated and we talk about it, but their compounding family legacies look different than us and no different than you compound behaviors or personality types and in and, 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 and life. When we compound cultures, you have that same compounding family legacy that also is dependent on what do you believe and that compounding family legacy has a great deal to do with how the culture is in that country. Russia, like we've talked about, we talk a lot about it based on what's going on in the Ukraine, but they have compounded a different legacy and belief system than China, than India, than Brazil, than the United States. So that being said, we all influence it by compounding our family legacy. How can we make ourselves better, um, be self-aware, um, have self-reflection so that we are constantly improving ourselves and also modeling that improvement to others that it is possible to improve and become greater, but also modeling that we can always better our family legacy, no matter how bad it is or how good it is, it can always get better. And sometimes things rear their head and new family legacies come in and mix with your family legacy. And that's what happens because you have to procreate and move on. But it makes you aware of what type of relationships are you, you fostering? What type of, of relationships do you want? How does that impact your family legacy? And, and what is love? Okay, there's the, the physical attraction of love. There's also the true love. There's also the friendship of love. There's also dealing with money and family and legacy, all of them should be a factor because love is a very powerful thing. And I get it. We fall in love and I'm not saying you shouldn't, but there's a lot of factors in there that keep you in love, that keep you falling in love, that or being in love with someone as well as uh, loving someone, you know, if there's a differentiation. So how do we compound family legacy financially, culturally, you know, and morally and ethically is so important and that we give others the ability and the freedom to do so as a leader is even more important and teaching or allowing or however we want to look for allowing is the wrong word, but allowing an environment, encouraging an environment as a leader or an entrepreneur in that space or in your community or in your business for humans to have the ability to, to compound their family legacies and grow them uh, for the better of the world and the betterment of their family and the better of men of the humans 
I think is huge. I think um, like there's no license to have children. Really, anyone can have one. Like it's not like you need a license to have one. I don't. Well, I, that's not true. I don't know in all countries if that's true or not. Um, I can't say that for sure. I'm assuming most countries don't have that, if not almost all of them. But I could be wrong. But, um, you know, it's like when we argue about whether there's slavery in the world, we forget about sex trafficking. Or when we argue about human rights and how they should be equal, we forget about the Middle East and women's rights. So, you know, it's one of those things that if we're going to talk about something, we're going to talk about family legacies. Yes, we can compound them. We have the, every opportunity in the United States to do that. But, um, but the thing is, is not every country even has that opportunity. So if we're going to make sure it remains to exist in the United States, the ability to compound family legacies freely and the liberty to do so and the freedom to do so, we've got to go make sure, we've got to make it so big, the dream of the United States that it encompasses the world's dreams in it of a free world. And I know that doesn't make sense to people, but that's what I'm talking about when we compound our family legacy. Our family legacy and the core values we instill and in being a good human and being a citizen of the world when we compound that legacy or, or we take it our personal responsibility to educate our kids and, and be heroes of tomorrow, you know, what is the family legacy when we're encouraging superpowers amongst our kids and legacies and, and to rise up so their voice can be heard? And, and what about their ability to grow others and lift up others and have upward mobility to others providing? imagine that not only for themselves because i think we focus so much on parents sometimes on how good our individual kids going to be that we don't say how can we compound our family legacy our kids so they're so good at not only compounding their own but compounding everyone around them so no matter what if there's a family legacy where certain individuals in the family come along and they're not as naturally gifted or they're more inclined to be castrated by inheritance for lack of a better term, that there's family members in there that are picking up on the compounding that can help maintain a certain level of legacy. Not everyone's gonna be able to do it, but it's just going to take time. And so um, taking time is necessary, but when you're compounding family legacies, it takes generations. So back to the Jewish Italian scenario, is a lot of Italians, a lot of Jewish descent, descendants of the time Europeans, when they fled Europe or things were bad or socialism or execution, whatever was going on in countries, they literally sometimes just put their children on there. They often didn't come across as whole families on ships. They wanted their family legacy to go on and their kids to have opportunities they didn't have. And sometimes children just came over not even the parents to go through Ellis and be quarantined in Ellis Island and then let into America to, for the chance of a better legacy. And so when you come from that and, and there's hardship to get here and hardship from where you came from and you aren't a sudden, all of a sudden born into a society that's a free world, your chip on your shoulder, your motivations, your wanting to compound family legacy is different. The problem is, is through money, through 
comfortability through getting comfortable and getting lazy and thinking that wealth and middle class means laziness and getting other people to do it for you and sitting behind the couch and not doing nothing but watching football and not being a productive human in the world. Um, it's interestingly perverted. And the perversion is this, that we have this goal to retire, to relax, to go on vacation, to become nothing in the world in terms of contributing to it. Oh, we've done our part, we contributed, I'm done, retirement. Like we literally live that way, but that's not compounding a family legacy if we truly believed in it. We do it all the way to the end. And not only that, we go out there and take what we've learned and spread it as elders because there is that term and that's how family legacies used to compound. If we were elders, we would go teach. We'd go keep passing it on and find purpose in it. So can we be a generation that compounds family legacy better than any other generation? I don't know. Um, I don't arguably know if there were generations in the past that have done it better than we have. We don't know. But I do know that we have the ability to communicate it and understand it and look at the long-term impact of what happens when we compound it. When we meet people like-minded who believe in like things that go out and fight for a free world or entrepreneurism or um, growing our children to uncap their potential with every generation. You know, we're not instilling fear in our kids, we're instilling power and ability and we're not being competitive with our children or trying to be friends with them. We're trying to grow them so they're better off than we are. And we're trying to make sure they outgrow us. I cannot tell you how many parents I have that almost grow their kids to a point or, or whatever that makes sure they don't outgrow them or they're ultra competitive with their children. I don't know why, I don't know if they think it makes them inferior, but your children are not trophies. They're not whatever, they're how you live on. Like there is no you living on on earth other than your children. And as a person that does not have my own children, I cannot tell you how much I have thought about this and come to that conclusion. And does your family legacy necessarily mean your own flesh and blood? It's not possible for everyone regardless of if it's possible for me, which it is, I chose something different. I chose a relationship and I chose to compound my legacy differently through work, through businesses, through the people I spend my time growing professionally. And then, you know, my stepchildren, but all of us have the ability to do that, to compound it. And it doesn't necessarily just mean our children or grandchildren. I do mean that by a family legacy, but if you ask food service partners or you listen to the podcast we did with Skylar and Callie for the developing young leaders, you will see that family and compounding family legacy is a part of everything at food service partners, blood or not blood. And so what is a family as a person that has two stepdaughters and, you know, a typical family life and a legacy that got screwed up along the way and, and all that and trying to rebuild and compound it. Um, you know, I would say it's pretty clear that if we're not bettering the human species, 
always in, in its entirety, whether it's equality or equity or rights or economic development or opportunity for all or um, the ability to look at things across the board in terms of our environment or our planet, not just the gases or global warming, like real solution driven um, free thinking individuals. Um, I think we're going to be okay, but in order to do that, you know, it's got to be that we're compounding family legacies and growth in humans where the next generation is, is so great with the amount of information they have at their fingertips and the amount of family legacy that we push into them that they can compound it. So, you know, why is Roman tradition and Catholicism last so long? We could argue is pushed on everyone, but there's a compounding family legacy in Roman Catholicism. No different than Judaism. It's why Italians have it. Maybe we argue religions and, and with all that, we can differentiate that, but you can see it if you take it to Indian cultures and, and while the Indians have been defeated in the Greeks and all that, um, taken over by the English, so on and so forth. You can see that there's strong compounding in such a large country, same in Brazil. It's a new culture, but they believe in compounding family legacy and protecting the Brazilians. We talked about, you know, there's countries out there that don't allow Americans to have 100% owned American companies doing business in those countries. Brazil, China, India, Turkey, you know, these countries, if they aren't still currently do it, have done it where you couldn't be a 100% owned farm business doing business in that country. They were protecting their legacies. And for them, the family legacy is also the cultural legacy is also the economic legacy in their countries. I'm not saying we should have that mindset in every country, but I just want everyone to look at it as a free market country. We're building a family legacy of free markets and so on and so forth as a country and free market countries and we want the whole world to go that way so we have to up the level by which we do it so the whole world can have it or have the opportunity for it or see what we're doing but like i said not the whole world competes on the same playing field so how do we protect ourselves protect our game when the world doesn't play the same game as a free market and so we've got to compound our family legacies to still be willing to fight the same game because if there's no one fighting it, then it's really unfair and it's dominant by the players that play it unfairly. But what we've been taught traditionally or through whatever is true, you stay disciplined, you stay consistent, you keep building that family legacy and um, you can conquer stuff, but it takes a long time. <clears throat> and on the flip side of the Russian legacy, you see still to this day, generations upon generations later, we've said it before, Kiev was the capital that doesn't give Russia a right to it, doesn't give anyone a right to kill humans or do what he's doing. But his argument is historical and arguably Russia's never been defeated. So I don't, I know what everyone's saying, but the way they compound legacy in Russia and they compound family legacy for their citizens or opportunity for their citizens is different than we do. So yes, it's wrong. Yes, should we live in a world without war? Yes, that's very much the way we compound legacy and you can only compound family legacy during peaceful times, most likely. 
we still have to deal with the world that sees compounding family legacy as taking more to spread more out amongst your citizens so they can become wealthier. I'm not saying anyone's right or wrong. Everyone's going to hate me because we obviously know that it's not good to just run over a country and kill people for, because you want it anymore. But the world still has that. There are countries that are willing to imprison and enslave their own citizens or not give them the right to vote. So why wouldn't we see that that's still possible and the family legacies that are being compounded in those countries are much different than the ones we're, we're compounding. So what am I saying? There are countries out there with intent that have way more citizens that are having way more children that have way more passion, conviction to stick to their way of life. And they're compounding their family legacies, right, right wrong, or indifferent. They're different than the free market entrepreneur compounding of a family legacy. And whether or not you're in America or not, every American, whether we know it or not, is entrepreneurial just by the sheer nature of living in a free market society. Go to a country like Russia or China that does not have one, and you will see the difference of what happens when an American sees opportunity or a free market country sees an opportunity and what happens in a country like that where they're not even, their, their brains don't even work to see an opportunity because they're, it just doesn't work that way. It's unfortunate, but it's the way it is. And that's the compounding legacies that we have. Do we compound our kids to be athletes or, or initiate stuff or be to the forefront? So I really went on a long time there, Elena. I apologize, but I wanted to give you a chance to sort of think about that maybe and, and add anything back to what I've said. I think Just like I fell asleep. No, I, I was listening to all of it. I think it was really interesting. It's a, a topic that went in a different direction than I anticipated. Um, I know we talked on another episode. It may have been the last episode where we discussed a lot about family and family in business and things like that. So I think this took it in a new direction, which worked out really well because we've really covered all the bases now when it comes to family and legacies and things like that. Um, so just going back to the original question of, you know, compounding family legacy, I know you talked a little bit about other countries and how things have been done through generation and generation and different religions and things like that. Uh, is there any personal anecdote for compounding family legacy that you could share maybe for people like myself or new parents? I know we did an interview with another new father couple of months ago. So I think we have a lot of listeners growing that are in this space of either becoming parents or kind of stepping into that role in the next few years. And is there anything just from your experience um, of a, a compounding family legacy that you would share when it comes to leadership? Yes. Um, I will say this and everyone's going to think I'm crazy and I'll probably get like some child labor laws after me or something. Um, but let me let me break it into two parts. One is we all don't think the same. 
as humans. And we, we think because we see it on TV and we filter it through our eyes and our lenses that every human must want freedom the way that we do as Americans, or they must want the same things we do. We obviously can rationalize that that's not true. But when we get on the news, for example, and I don't care, I've watched it across all news channels, so I am not biased on this one. I think all of them are, are intellectually dishonest in many ways. And here's what I mean. Okay, here's what I mean about intellectually dishonest. <clears throat> it is intellectually dishonest for me to assume that when we protest something in the United States, it's the same reasons, reactions, right for freedom, rebellion against something that a protest does in Russia. Like seeing the Russians protest against the Ukrainian war, yes, they're protesting against it. But let me tell you a little Some Russia does a lot of playing puppeteer. It does a lot of things for getting sympathy for the world. And so it's intellectually dishonest to assume that Putin would honestly just allow people to protest on TV and allow it to happen. Okay, maybe it happened, and if it did, in what context? Because it's not under the protests that we think as the Western world. Okay, so we're not intellectually picking apart the conversation or the information we're given and filtering it through, well, why? Is this really what I'm thinking? I'm making an assumption based on my own feelings or what I know or my own glass bubble or glass house or whatever you wanna call it. And so family legacies, like we have to be aware that when we compound family legacies or um, their citizens and governments that are more obedient and obedience has been part of government over and over and over again. And those countries have successfully ruled for thousands of years based on obedience, because let's talk about Russia. Russia had serfs until we had slaves in the United States. Now, both are horrible, but Russia, it's not like they've done any different and, they, and they've washed through it and they aren't having to deal with the same repercussions because why? Russia still hasn't even caught up to human rights for their own people and they're the same color of skin, let alone how racist they are towards non-whites, for example, or Caucasians. So it's not bashing anyone. It's just, I'm trying to be very intellectually honest and I get there's sensitivities and we have to walk around those sensitivities, but we have to be intellectually honest about the information and accept that people are biologically different, they're culturally different, they're morally different, they're religiously different, and the way they compound family legacies has a direct impact on the world. And if we're not doing our part and, and not actively being parents and not actively compounding leadership and growth and free markets and entrepreneurism, even if they're not going to be an entrepreneur, then we are going to lose in the long run. Period. Ideology matters. Belief systems matter. Governments exist because we believe them to exist. But our family legacies have to be compounded in a way that they can survive generation of generation of democracy. And God or not God, 
we still have free will and we have to do our part. So how was our family legacy important? It's not only about the financial piece. It is important. And we'll talk about that in a later podcast. But this is what I'm talking about is the moral and ethics and values your generations compound. And it doesn't matter. Like I'm not talking about what kind of gender we choose to be or whatever. That's all in there. How we accept it becomes part of our family legacy. How tolerant we are becomes the love we spread across the world. So. That being said, um, what is the family legacies we want to compound? So if I were to give advice to a parent, if your kids are too comfortable too early on, you're going to have a very hard time teaching them uncomfortability and hardship and embracing it and searching for it to go out in the world and build family legacy. Okay. Um, loyalty is something we don't see much of in these day and ages. And if you want family legacies to be built, loyalty is important. And how does that look? Well, the humans able to be loyal, not only to their family, but to their job, to their friends in a healthy way. That means not getting taken advantage of. That means not taking advantage of other people, so on and so forth. But how do you instill that? I mean, based on just conversations, again, um, growing up on a farm, um, coaching soccer with young kids starting at three and four. Um, like, I, I think it's, I mean, it's the old adage. You've got to have them be, you got to teach responsibility, accountability, and work ethic from day one. And it's not about being their friend always and doing it with them. Um, but it is about teaching them in different ways. You know, Deborah does a great job of teaching through getting people to do it with her. Or if they see her doing something, you know, it's like, oh, someone needs help, you know, come and do this with me, even though you don't want to. So Deborah's very much, you see me doing something, go do it. And I'm very much like, oh, we have issues, a lawn needs to be mowed or whatever. How do we proactively see an, a problem and go deal with the solution as a chore, as a responsibility, as an accountability? So both methods work. They're not necessarily the same. But to Deborah's and, and we could get in arguments about it all day long if we really wanted to. But here's the thing is when it comes to that family legacy and where we're trying to go, both methods are useful and both methods get us to where we want to go. And one kid or one daughter, they're both adults now, so I shouldn't call them kids, may tend to lead better from one way or the other. So having both options or being able to use a hybrid for them might be useful as long as it's going to, again, those core values or that family legacy that we want, right? And I got to tell you, a lot of divorces I see, yes, there's not love in the relationship and it's romanced, but there is so much of a, about it, particularly for the woman that she wants to be seen in this way. Why? Because she wants her children to have that in their lives. 
she wants them to have love and romance and that to keep being compounded because it's such an important part of who she is. And for men, we just think, oh, she wants more. And oh, she's criticizing us. And she's saying we don't do enough. You're not getting it. In all the books in the world and talk about compromise and all that, it just blows me the fuck away when it's that obvious. You want to compound your family legacy. Think about it, what we are innately built to do as home humans. We are meant to procreate and we are meant to raise the next generation. So the survival of the human race at our fundamental gods, no gods, myths, no myths, whatever you want to say, it's still all across the board for all humans is that. So if we're going to compound the family legacies, we need to compound that. And when you do that and you understand that, you'll want there to be more love. You'll also want them to be more tough. You also want them to be more fit. You also want them to have more healthy brains and you'll set all of those examples and there will be more love in your relationship. And you will give your wife the love, the romance that she wants because she's going to be more attracted to you and you're going to be more attracted to her. And why? Because you guys are both building a family legacy together. You're not going off to play golf with the buddies or out to a bar or water sport event all the time. I'm not saying you shouldn't do those things or have outlets, but let's be honest. Like, is it growing you when you do those things? Is it growing your family legacy? And is it is the friendships you're making long-term. Those all balance out against the family legacy. And we all teach those to our children from day one. And we want to teach our children to be social and have friends and be out in the world because we're social animals. But we also need to make sure we're not teaching our children to focus merely on being accepted and liked and get a trophy and you know, fit in because we want them to. They need to be individuals and their individuality and their superpowers just might save the human race. We don't know. Anyone born at any time could contribute to something or not maybe one person, maybe it's a lot of people in every generation as we get better and we keep learning to better things that we all better to do it. But to think that there's not somewhere along the lines based on food, based on our planet, generation now, generation 2,000 years from now or 10,000 years from now, that the human race at some point is going to need to figure something out for us, for the animals, for the plants, for the planet, whatever. So if our thing is to procreate and improve the next generation, then we've got to prepare them. And in a world that believes where there's still legacies that are being built, that believes in exploitation of the world or of its people or of its animals is a way to compound family wealth and family legacy. We better be doing something on the other side, particularly as a consumer um, based society, you know, consumerism is what we do. It's why we have such valuable markets and free markets because we allowed everyone in to consume and we allow everyone in to sell. What is it that we're doing? What is it that we're selling? What is it that we're consuming? And how does that affect our family legacies in the long run? So I hope that answers the question, Elena, but if I were to say one basic thing, it would be that thing of, accountability, responsibility, and chores from an early age, whether it's mimicking you or doing it alongside you, 
to ask for help or it's taking responsibility ultimately and knowing to solve a problem when you see it. I think those are the two ways that I know that I've worked, but I think there's a lot of probably other people out there that have other ways of teaching responsibility and accountability from an early age. So when it comes to being older and it comes to doing, going through hardship or uncomfortability, whether it's sports or school or relationships or business or life or stuff that's out of our hands, like the government policies, um, they're more prepared for it compared to other humans. And they know to hit the gas during a crisis or an uncomfortable moment rather than sit and wallow in it. And that doesn't mean you don't deal with it. It just means you hit the gas. And you hit the gas because you know that you can get distance on someone else's family legacy right now while they're wallowing in shit. You can get through it because also what family legacies do, I'm sorry, this is my last point, is family legacies realize that they're not victims, they're victors. And that yes, something bad happened to them when they were a victim in the moment, but thereafter it's an opportunity to grow and make sure that their family legacy learns from it and does their part to make sure it doesn't happen ever again, not only to them, but to the world around them. So I think it's bigger than we all think. Um, but we all can think holistically in the pursuit of our family legacy if, if we live in democratic countries or we believe in free markets or entrepreneurialism. So entrepreneurialism, whatever the word is, I can't say it today. So thanks, Elena. Thank you so much for all of the sharing and the information and be sure to leave us feedback on our episodes. You can do that by email, by joining our email list, or you can send us information over on social media on Facebook or Instagram, because we would love to hear from you and we will talk to you on our next episode. Thanks guys. Bye.